I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repeticulture Network. Russell's Viper came on. I was going to start be like the Russell's Viper, but then you muted us. What's up? Chilling. Is that air sound on my microphone? Um, I don't know. Mute yourself and tell me. Nope. That would be Sir Billiam and his pipe. He's mm. in the pipe. <clears throat> Hitting that pipe, the old mahogany. Can you hear us? Bill, are you alive? Bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. Yep. He's in the glass case of emotion. Mm. Do you have a preferred pipe tool or no? A check tool. Yeah? But like I'm saying, do, do you just use a little crappy brass one that every you know tobacco shop in the world has yeah. or do you have like a preferred one no i like that one it's called a check yeah. tool that's the, the basic you know i have a fancier one that's nice but they all do the same thing yeah i've got like two or three of them that i've accumulated over the years and i didn't know if there was like a better one you know what i mean uh, no they all do the same thing really i don't Bill may have a, a yeah. I mean, strong they can be like more ornate, but like these um, Danny Boy pipes is the stuff. Uh, I pretty much have basically all their stuff. Um, these are the super simple ones that just come in their kits. Uh, they do more ornate ones, same as the pipes. Like you can get fancier kits or things that match and different stuff like that. Um, right. But I like their I like their basic stuff. Good. Those are nice because there's something just like with lighters. You can actually stuff, do happens to it. You know, you can. They're easily replaceable. You're not out. Yeah. Expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Some folks do them. Um, that I've seen different things with like kilt pins and different stuff where you can. Mm -hmm. You can get pretty into it. Well, this is episode 110 of Snakes and Stogies, which is brought to you by BlackBoxCages.com. And Puget Sound Pythons. Please check out both Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, so this week we are joined by Mr. Bill Bradley, fellow Herpeticulture Network host. Um, and a fine tobacco user. Yeah. Is that a Rocky Patel you're smoking? No, sir. This is a Nova Platinum Batch uh, Toro. Yeah, I forgot they had that same... Rocky has a band that's like one of their 2011 limited special editions or something. That's a very similar color, and that's what it looked like from afar. Yeah, I um, I was feeling worldly, and there's a map of the world on the back of the band, and I figured, why not? This is actually my last one. I got to go buy more. But of all of the Novas that I've smoked, this is by far the tightest draw I've ever had. I'm wondering if it's just one of those like, it, I just got a bad stick, and I really hope it's not going in that direction. 
Is it torpedo? No, it's just a normal Toro. Hmm. But it's just it's very tight. Very tight. It happens. I mean, people get upset at work sometimes because they're like, man, this is drawing tough. It's like they're all handmade, okay? Yeah. Premium cigars are all 100% handmade. Yeah. There's going to be imperfections. The the way that companies find out these imperfections in in certain cigars is they weigh them in these giant bundles. And if they're within a certain range, and we're not talking about a large, large range, but in a certain range, they know that they're for the most part, no, you know, problem free. Right. They can tell if something's off, if the weight's different and they do draw tests and stuff. And I don't know exactly how they, how they go ahead and do that, but they do what they can. Yeah. Some companies are better about it than others, but it's just, it comes with the territory. Like you get a box of cigars. Normally it's not uncommon for, you know, one or two to, to have that problem. And it, it's interesting too because these, uh, your mic's spasm, though. I think. Is that you? Yeah, that's real. Sounds like you're on a windy beach. It's still there. The man can't win with his gear. Yeah, so like anything else, it's a handmade product. Expect imperfections. Expect, you know, some problems here and there. It comes with the territory. I can't tell if Bill is frozen now. Oh, he's moving. (laughs) Can you hear me now? Yes. Do I sound all right now? Yeah. I'm just using the MacBook microphone. Fuck this cord. Pardon my French. Is it your XLR cable? Yeah, the, I think the. Uh, I think it was the, perfect when we started. I know, man. man. And I had this problem with with Eric and Nipper like the, four days ago. Is that the, the? I think this thing, like the actual USB plug, mm. USB plug, is like coming Oops. out. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. <clears throat> I mean, your MacBook mic sounds fine too, so no, no problems there either. Yeah, but I don't get to use my fancy microphone with my fancy gimbal and stand, and I feel antiquated, to say the least. I feel you, Bill. What are you smoking? I am doing uh, Black Stoker from Danny Boy Pipes, and then I put a little bit of Blendex on top because I was running low. And then uh, it's, I'm sure at some point I'll switch over just to Blendex. Used to be their Christmas blend, and they renamed it. Do you typically go for, uh, like, I'm a big, I like Cavendish. Like, straight Cavendish is always going to be one of my favorite pipe tobaccos. Um, sure. I'm not too big on, like, English blends and stuff like that. You know, that heavy, smoky, Latakia sort of flavor. I like it in small doses. But I don't, I mean, do you typically stick to like the aromatic stuff? Um, the Blend X one, I do quite a bit. My kids love it. That was the first one they smelled. They freaked out because they thought it smelled like Christmas cookies. Um, I have a couple of different Irish ones that are a lot lighter. I kind of prefer that. Um, the Black Stoker is, is kind of an English jam. Okay. It's okay. Yeah, like I said, I like like a lot of Kian in small blends is 
is in small doses is, is fine. You know, I like a little splash of it, but some of those, those really heavy, dark English blends are just, they're too much for me, but they're, they're popular. And Bill, do you use screens or no? Say it again. Do, do you use screens or no? No. Am I, am I going through? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. There's a little bit of a delay. So I'm smoking a yeah, Papa's Face right screens. now. I'm smoking at Papa's Fritas. We just had a Drew Estate event Friday night, so I got some Year of the Rats and stuff from our rep, um, which is probably what I got on deck after this. Uh, pretty much a league of night for me here. You know, it's good stuff. Those Year of the Rats, so I talked about them a while back. I, we first got them in. I really wasn't crazy about them. You know, for 20 bucks, I was I was not impressed with considering that it was supposed to be League of Bravada stuff, which is, you know, doesn't has never disappointed me. Um but these are like these have some serious age on them. They have some time on them, and they're considerably better than I remember them being. So, you know, it's still not a league. I'm going to go out of my way to like buy, but in comparison, to like a T52 or something. But I was given them, and I'm going to smoke them. So, do you think that the rat stuff is an intentional role? Or do you think it's a supplemental division of Liga? So all the all the rat stuff, Velvet Rat, Ratzilla, um, Year of the Rat, those are all rolled specifically in that size that they're sold in. Like they don't come in any other sizes. Um, Dirty Rat, that's another one. That's a smaller size. Like those are rolled. That blend is rolled for that that size cigar. Um. They're all very similar flavor-wise, in my opinion. I don't notice any any major differences. I definitely will say that Velvet Rat sticks out to me a little more than the other two in terms of just its silkiness. Uh, I find some of the rat stuff has sort of a um, like a sourness or like a bitterness to it that isn't bad. But it it when I'm looking for like Liga stuff, I'm looking for that like T52 and number nine to me are like for Ligas. That's it. The UF13s are awesome too, but those are getting harder and harder to find. Um, but the, the number nines, it's like that's if I want something rich and silky, that's what I'm going to go for because it's that Connecticut broadleaf. Like it is very one dimensional flavor wise. It's going to be the same from start to finish, but they are really good. T52 is typically what I grab just because it has it's more complex. It's got a little bit more going on flavor wise. Well, a lot more going on flavor wise. <clears throat> and that's a Habano. Um, so it's got that pepperiness, that that fullness, you know, to it that that you get with Habanos. But it just you can do all this special like not the special edition but the unico series stuff that's all good and, and whatnot but to me it's like i'm completely okay with a toro and a t52 or number nine right yeah. dude toro number nine number nine is my go-to stick you know what i mean like if uh, hands down the these nova platinum batches in a toro a vsg and a number nine like if they don't have one of those like that's you know what i mean if yeah. you don't know what to go with so yeah but what's what's been going on over the last week anything new um not too much on my end man just uh making sure those i get new baby sub box i got are chilling i'm gonna feed them this week 
So I think I'm going to do, uh, I think I'm just going to drop feed a, a brain frozen thought pinky mm-hmm. and just cross my fingers. They look like they're, they look I like don't, they're, yeah, I really don't have problems with them, man. Like they're, they're pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah. And, uh, other than that, I, um, my two of my, uh, three year old girdle tail lizards figured out how to get behind the exoterra foam. Of course. So I'm debating. I just noticed it like tonight before I came on with you guys. And I'm like, do I gut that cage and yoink them out and fix it? Or do I just let them be lizards and just let them do their thing? Because you know? <laughs> you got probably... back there, you can get out. Yeah, ex- exactly. I was like, all right, well, as soon as there's water and food, you'll want to come out. So <laughs> You'll hear them scratching and trying to yeah. scramble to get there. <laughs> yeah, because this time of year, I only give them water maybe once a month. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when it when I when I make it rain, it'll they'll come out. I'm sure. So, but Bill, what about you, bud? I got a trio of Eastern Black Kings from the uh, Man nice. of the Year himself. So that was pretty cool. They uh, he told <laughs> he told me feed the females like monitors, <laughs> and give them 24 hours after food. And then introduce, but still watch them like a hawk. And so uh, I gave them a couple of chicks. The male was not interested in food. He's been kind of searching. He's in girl mode. Did some introductions. And they don't care about him at all. Um, No aggression, which is good. But um, they, he was, you know, kind of little wiggling little poking you know and they one of them just kind of cruised away and one of them i mean she she might have been asleep i don't know she i i mean they're good like they were hanging out you know wrote a hook a little bit moved them here and there did this whatever i had to do to get everything set up but Mm -hmm. uh yeah they they could care less if he's even alive so which i mean you know they just got here, so that's not that's better than aggression right Hundred percent, yeah, because that yeah, was you still you know, got Chris, plenty of time. Chris was very specific, and it, you know, I, the whole production side of it is is extra for me. I I just really enjoy the story. They're a North American native. It's something I can you know really use to teach, and it gives mm-hmm. a lot of good background information. So, um, teaches kids, but yeah, how, Chris was very specific. Like, hey man, watch him. Yeah. And then uh, how I, I confirmed my stuff with the black box folks. And so I will be at the show in Atlanta or Marietta, as it were, in March. Hell yeah, man. Are you going to be there the, like the whole weekend? Yeah. Uh, so I, well, I will figure that part out. Um, Right now, it looks like I'm going to drive to Nashville Friday night, finish out the trip Saturday morning to be at the show Saturday. I'll be there at least until Sunday and then figure out what I'm doing going home on Sunday. Yeah, because, I mean, you were just going down there for work anyways, right? Like you were going to be in Tennessee regardless. Nope, I'm I'm off, so I'm just making the trip. No, I got you. Hell yeah, man. I'm excited. We're uh, 
I think what we're still, me and Jake still haven't hammered out the exact plans yet. Like we're definitely going to beat the show Saturday. I'm thinking what we're going to do is go up Friday, probably go straight to Jen's to pick up our stuff. Cause I don't know if they'll be able to fit it all with the things they're taking to the show. So we may go to their place, pick up our stuff and then drive to the hotel near the venue. Cause we're going to rent a U-Haul or something enclosed that we can lock and, uh, That'll just make it easier on them, you know. Yeah, give them more room to bring stuff to the show. Yeah, because I mean, you're you're, I'm getting a bunch of bio G's and I'm getting an XR twenty rack. Jake's getting a couple of cages and a rack, and I mean that's going to take up a lot of space. So, I you know I'm not gonna not gonna try and ask Jen to be like, hey, can you somehow fit ours with everything else? You know, I want to be that guy. So, yeah, she messaged me today and uh, she's like, I didn't forget about you, but. Yours are a little more tricky. They don't go with the whole two-week lead time. I was like, no, I figured as much. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I'm excited, man. I am. Yeah, I'm anxious to see uh, what you think of them when you get your hands on them. You as well, Bill. What would you end up going with? I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't had their stuff before, but just going, just emailing back and forth with them and, you know, they were asking how I wanted to set up and lights and stuff and the things that I intended to use. And I mean, they, they think of everything, you know, and I explained that, you know, I have this idea for this quad of Australia things and how I want to set stuff up. And I get pretty ridiculous with lighting and zoopoxy and interiors and all the nonsense that I'm going to do. And, uh, she was, she was all about it, man. Like, yeah, tell me where to route stuff. And I'm, I'm going to, I'll start making holes and you know, she was, she was pretty excited. So it's really cool. Yeah, they're good people. Their product's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited about doing, uh, doing these three footers with full decor, and we even talked about putting LEDs inside them. So I'm really excited yeah. to kind of see because most of them are going to be for venomous stuff but i need two of them for the water pythons so they're going to have the most simplistic just paper bowl hide box you know because they're going to wreck it anyway but like the fields vipers and stuff man i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna do it up i got so much foam i've been hoarding and you know uh my my work uh we got new monitors for like uh around the store for like consoles and like kiosks and like nurse station type stuff and I saved all the foam that held the, the monitor screens in place in the cardboard boxes. Like styrofoam? Yeah, styrofoam. Oh, yeah. So it's like that high impact, durable yeah, foam. Yeah, hard stuff. Yeah, like they put a they put a TV in, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have all these like nooks and crannies and like air pockets. So, dude, I'm just going to make all kinds of little crevices and just use the pockets that they already built, you know? Crevasses. Yeah, and I'm really eager to see these locks that Jen found, these circular ones. They look really interesting. So, uh, yeah, I think you sent me a picture of those. Yeah. Or maybe I saw them when you guys were messaging back and forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mr. Smitty? Oh, man. Uh, so, everything's out of cooling. Uh, Chris Painchab, the man of the year, also sent me a female ghost Tessera to pair up with one of my Ladies Island males. Uh, so Excellent. She ate right off the rip. 
you know, when she came in, I brought her home, set her up, threw her, threw her some food, and she nailed it. And now she's in a shed cycle, so gonna get another couple of meals in her, and then probably put them together at some point. <coughs> Good stuff. Uh, Loma Altas are together. They've been together for a while. They're one of them shed. The other one should be shedding probably within the next day or so. Cool. Uh, so hopefully they'll start making something happen. Male Dion shed, waiting on the female to shed. She's deep in a cycle. Nice. Uh, I'm going to put them together, but I'm going to make sure I'm around for that just in case because those do have a documented history of, of being cannibalistic, and that male is considerably smaller than her. So Yeah. Um, bimaculata. I put the bimaculata in today because the female shed. Okay. And, like, the shed was still, like, wet, you know, like, fresh, fresh. And so I went ahead and threw the male in there, and as far as I know, they were locked up almost immediately because they nice. were all up and their tails were, you know, together and couldn't see it like a confirmed lock but given like where their tails were their their vents were, were pretty much even um do they go into like a trance like a lot of other type snakes or are they like you open the drawer and they pull apart they didn't pull apart but they were definitely like their twitchy normal sort of little okay like what the hell's going on sort of sort of state yeah. why'd it get so bright all of a sudden yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um <clears throat> Thorn scrubs are together. I don't know if anything's happened with them yet. I haven't noticed any action. Uh, Beaufort pair. So my shell point female corn to my ladies island male corn. The same male that's going to go to that uh, female that Chris sent me. Cool. Put them together because she finally shed. I don't. I haven't heard or noticed any action from them yet. Waiting on my other ladies island female to shed. Who was the damn to the clutch I got last year. Um waiting on her to shed so I can put in the mail with her. He's ready to go because I, I tried him a couple nights ago when before she like really went into the cycle. Mm -hmm. And he was trying, man. He was all about it, but she wasn't giving <laughs> it up. So he's definitely ready. Um I think that I think that's about it. And there's another so I was originally gonna do the Olympia male bears that Chris sent me last year to the dam that hatched that gave me the clutch I got last year as well. But I think he probably needs another year. I think he's a little younger than I thought he was. Um, so I'm just going to do some hets. I'm going to put in my male albino with that female and, and pop out some het, het albino bairds. And cool. I think that's about it. The cyan are going to be going up to Terry Burwell at some point here soon. I'm supposed All to get some rhinos. Uh, yeah, the pair. Okay. Um, I'm supposed to get some rhinos from him for those. So nice. Uh, other than that, I think it's pretty much business as usual. I weighed my female green trees to see where they were at weight wise. They're all about the 450 mark gram nice. wise, so they still need a little bit of time. Um, once they hit 600 is when I'll start considering putting them together. That would still put me on track to to pair them towards the end of the year, but I'm pretty much going to play it by ear. If I don't if I don't think they're they've got enough mass on them by then, then I may just end up having to punt it again. I'm not banking on anything yet, but we'll see. So okay, um, time will tell. Yeah, but I think that's I think that's about it. Cool beans. I um. Casey and I went to Billy's this uh, yesterday, well, Saturday into Sunday, and uh, we hung out and had a grand old time. We went to Tampa Repticon, um, which was, it was good. It was a good show. Saw some people, saw some friends, 
BS a little bit. Uh, very Royal Python heavy. Um, very, very jewelry heavy. Very like lots of crafters that were, I mean, there's a lot of non-reptile stuff, but for the most part, it was, there was a lot of knickknacks and stuff like that. But uh, same local people, but a typical Repticon. It was very, very ball python heavy. So, but uh, Casey and I helped Billy do some, uh, well, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Basically, Billy had some animals that were told to him to be a particular sex. They were then sexed again at time of delivery. And then some time went by, some years went by. And he just wanted to double check before he starts really putting things in motion. So me and Casey helped him uh, do some probing. And I want to touch base on this tonight is if you don't know how to probe a snake, learn. Don't try, if that makes any sense. Because we were given some scenarios in which I straight up was like, we're not going to, we can't probe it. It's not worth it. Whether it be the snake's reaction or the way the snake is uh, being defensive in terms of pooping or musking or whatever, or if the snake's even just in shed. And I think that it's really important that if people are going to learn how to probe correctly, that they learn from multiple different people and see how other people do things. They don't try and do it by themselves. And it is much easier with two people. I will say that. Much it is easier with two people. Infinitely easier with two people. And do everything in your power to keep things clean and sanitary. The days of, Billy actually brought this up. <clears throat> Excuse me. The days of some guy taking a probe out of his pocket, licking it, spitting on it, and then sticking uh, yeah. it in a snake. That doesn't, that doesn't work like this anymore. Yes. Um, I, I wear latex gloves. I, Billy was kind enough to have some uh, hermetically sealed alcohol wipes that he uses for medical stuff. So basically, I wipe down everything. It's all surgical stainless steel. I wipe everything down with alcohol, let it air dry. And then I use coconut oil as a lubricant. You don't have to goop it up, but just literally a light sheen of coconut oil. And I use that as a lubricant to kind of help do things. Um, there are several different ways to skin a cat, so to speak. But before anyone tries to probe on their own, get lessons, get tips from somebody, and try and do it from a couple different people, and just go slow. Yeah, everyone's so worried about rushing it. Um, but I wanted to pick your guys' brains and see if there's anything that you might want to recommend or that you may want to talk about on that front. Fix <laughs> said, "Wasn't that how they used to test for STDs back in the day?" <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Bill? I, other than don't rush it, I mean, it. it's one of those things where people, I don't think people take into account that, like, you can, you can cause major injury. Like, the whole, you know, lick it and stick it in or whatever nonsense you see at goofy people at reptile shows or whatever, like, well, that snake's done. Like, if that was a male and you just punched it straight through, like, really glad he has two because one's probably not very good now. Like, it just... The animals are very resilient, but, like, don't let that fool you into just jamming instruments into them. That's 
Weren't we just making fun of someone for doing surgery on YouTube? We were. We were. And even though this isn't bona fide surgery, it's still an invasive, you know, foreign procedure. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it happened to me, I'd consider it surgery. <laughs> right well there. put, sir. Well put. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I think that, you know, keeping everything clean and sanitary is a must using some kind of natural lubricant that's not, you know, chemical based should be deployed as well. Um, and then sanitizing things in between animals, even if they're the same animal, even if they're the same, even if they're going to be paired up eventually a week later, still, you don't want to do any kind of funky cross-contamination bacteria. I mean, think about how much bacteria is in your mouth and then you're licking it and sticking it inside them. It's not cool. Um, but I also wanted to touch base on like, if you get resistance, A, that doesn't mean it's a girl, and B, you should stop and try again another time. Because I do like- Or a try the other side. Well, you should always do both sides, always. Um, and there's a particular way to make entry. There's a particular way to hug the side wall, so to speak. And there's a particular way of how much pressure you're gonna give. and using the right amount of pressure and rolling the probe is a very sound method for me, but it takes a lot of practice because you don't want to push too hard because you will rupture and damage whether it's boy or girl. So I think it really is important to learn and not just try. Absolutely. But fortunately we're, we're in a time where you now don't have to, like, that's not the end-all, be-all anymore. Right, right. You know, we have guys like Dr. Ben Morrill at RGI who, you know, you can do the sex determination um, through shed skins, you know, at least for colubrids and stuff. With pythons, it's a little more complicated. Um, it's not that expensive. I think it's like 15 bucks or something like that for a single shed. Um, you know, popping, that's another one that it takes a little practice. It, the, the whole point of, like, popping and probing is just be gentle and if if like don't overdo it like if you're not getting the results that you 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 think it should be or that you're wanting then just leave it be and come back to it you know i talk about uh with the colubrids you know the sheds and seeing the the male and female differences between the two like <clears throat> so far that's been extremely accurate for me i don't think i've had an animal that that didn't you know that it wasn't accurate on so far yeah um, you know, with chondros and stuff, to me, it's like, I'm going to have that snake regardless. I know some people want to know as early as possible, so they know sort of like plan way ahead. For me, it's like when it sheds plugs, it sheds plugs. If it doesn't, then it's a girl, you know, it's one. And now, you know, if you have the, the sire to that animal and you have that shed, you can send that shed in with the progeny shed to RGI and they can determine from that, as long as you have both if that's a male or a female, which is what we're going to be doing. Uh, Luke is sending the shed of the sire to the, the one lone hatchling I have from him. And so once that's in, I'm going to send my shed in and we'll be able to know for sure. I think it's female just given by the sort of the tail structure and stuff. It's very, very abrupt in the cutoff. And <clears throat> I think also over time, you, at least with colubrids, um, you get kind of good at eyeballing things and being able to tell what's male and what's female. I think you have to you have to look at a lot of snakes over time to to really get a, a good feel for it. But and it's species specific too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I tell people pretty much 
if I sell an animal, like I'm never going to, unless it's a proven breeder, I'm never going to 100% guarantee sex. Right. If I sell it as a male and it's a being female or vice versa, then like I, I have no issues fixing that. If someone wants to, you know, I'll send them a different animal. Like we'll figure something out. Um, but I also sort of make that in my terms of service, like unless I've seen it or it is a proven breeder where we know for a fact that it is a boy or a girl because it is produced as such, then I can say with confidence that it is that, but like yeah. hatchlings and stuff like that, it's like, yeah, I can pop them. Um, you know, the, the shed determination, if it's just, there's a lot of people that buy stuff and get, get upset when it ends up being a male, you know, years down the road or whatever. And it's like there's there's enough options now to where that really shouldn't even be an issue anymore right right so. i also think that uh it comes down to learning the attributes of the animal and what to look for so if i've got a king snake and bill has a king snake and we look at the male's tail and we look at the female's tail and we can clearly see that the male's tail is wider at the base closer to the vent and we know that okay we probed it it's male female we have something to compare and contrast but if smitty is doing it with a red tail boa it, it it's completely different you yeah. know so just because one friend says oh if the, if the tail is you know short and stubby it's a girl but if it's long and thin it's a boy well that doesn't mean that that's that's what it is with their animal or that mm -hmm. species or that genus so take a look at what you've got and and kind of do some more homework and figure out what the traits are. And if you want to learn how to do probing and popping and that sort, then go from there. Uh, Jessica Ward asked a great question. Uh, how do you select what size probe to use? Is there a general guideline for estimating the appropriate size? Um, there's not, but a good rule of thumb is, first of all, every probe should have a bald end, like a, a ball bearing end. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. It should be. Mine surgical. don't, but they're rounded. Like they're not. They're yeah, they are okay. they are rounded on the end, but it's not the ball probes. So, mm -hmm. I I prefer the ball tip because when you're <clears throat> excuse me when you're first getting past the vent scales, you have the thinness of the neck of the probe can aid you in negotiating that that muscle that's there, right? So once the probe has entered the hemipenal sheath. The, that ball piece is in now i can just slide straight up while as one that is just complete the same diameter of the body of the probe i don't have the what's the word i'm looking for i don't have that taper to use as a guide if that makes any sense mm -hmm. and i'm sure people that'll get this in hand that'll make more sense um but what i've always done is if you do have a ball tip to match the ball tip to the approximate size of the sub subcaudal scales. That's, I mean, that's yeah, usually, that's a good rule of thumb to do yeah. that. Um, and if, if you're using a, on a very, very baby snake, you need to use a very, very, very baby probe, a probe that may even be like smaller than a needle, right? Which now is even more dangerous and more harmful and, and could cause way more issues because you, there's no way to put a ball tip on that. It's yeah. too small. And now, because it's so thin like a needle, you run a higher risk of puncturing something or stabbing something. And I, I don't I don't like probing stuff until it's big enough to accept the smallest ball tip, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. 
Well, that's so. why popping is is at least with colubrids yeah. is is once you get like. I was very hesitant for a long time to sort of do the popping thing and try and get better at it, but with the last clutch of corns and bears and stuff, I was like, you know what? It's time to bite the bullet. It's time to figure it out. And it's really not that it's not hard at all. It's just a matter of like making sure you're paying attention to how much pressure you're applying. Um, and it's one of those things where if you're not comfortable doing probing or popping at all, then don't do it. Yeah. I, I don't do it. There's no pressure to do. If yeah. you, if you have someone local that is actually good at it and you can make sure that they're actually legit and good at it, then I think that's a good way to go. Um, but at the same time, everyone has to learn at some point, I think, if you're planning on, you know, if it's something you you need to know because you're breeding or whatever, you know. I don't yeah. And, and maybe I'm naive, but like these two subox I just got, um, it's supposed to be a pair. I didn't probe them. I didn't pop them. I'm just going to leave them be. And in four to six months, when they're big enough for me to actually get a better look at and I can compare the two animals and see if I really want to probe it, I'll go from there. But as of right now, it's still early enough in the game that things are developing, things are doing their own thing. And and I'm sure someone who's good at popping could do it. And I would have like, if you or Chris or somebody or Billy, I would have no problem letting you guys pop it. For me, I, I, I'm too, I don't, I don't have that dexterity to I, do it. And I, yeah. I figured out that it, you sort of have to put your thumb a little farther back than you think you would. To right. get them to pop yeah. out like that, is, that you're not you're not popping it like a zit you're massaging right. the you're hemi rolling peen. it you're right rolling you're rolling that thumb to yeah. to make that that peen shoot out yeah yeah just like There's bill's friday night for you there you go <laughs> as he sits in the darkness of the shadows gingerly ginger i definitely do not pop it scares the crap out of me yeah I would much rather probe things. Yeah. Now I will I will say too, popping wise, I pop like as soon as stuff is basically out of the egg and, and ready to be put into a tub. Like that's yeah. they don't have as much uh, muscle control to resist as much. It's much easier on the animal. Their bones are still a little softer, so you don't have to worry about going too hard. You know, yeah. they're a little more pliable, kinda like human babies. They're, yeah, they're Billy Hump was saying that. Yeah. So I don't really do it. I mean, I'll do it on a on a snake that maybe is a couple weeks old. But as far as like older snakes and stuff, it's like no, I'll just wait for a shed if I absolutely have to probe, which I did probe last weekend because I sold some bears. And I told the you know the girl that bought them, I was like, if these end up not being what they just probed as, because one of them was a male for sure, the other one went in almost none at all. And so I was like, I, this this should be a female. If it's not, let me know and we will right. fix it. Like she lives local, yeah. so I was like, I'll swap it out with something else. It's not a problem. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and that's that's good that especially when you're dealing with someone that understands that. You know what I mean? Because so many people are like, Well, you sold it to me as a male. Well, it's life, man, you know. Well, I was straight up with her too. I was like, I, I you know, I can't hundred percent guarantee sex because they're still young, but yeah, they were sold to me as a pair. You know, we I tried to verify it as best as I could. Like I said, if it's not, we'll fix it. But that's yeah. not a problem. Now, let me ask you, Mr. Bradley, how do you feel about probing lizards? Ooh, um, Is that a thing? People do that? So <clears throat> I have hung out with some friends and helped. Uh, so Ryan and Erica McVeigh uh, are, have a pretty extensive spinulosis monitor project. 
And so I've hung out at NARBC uh, in a couple of different places where, you know, they're trying to sex ratios are very important. Uh, that project is not really worked with other than by a handful of people in the U S uh, and so I helped out with that. It's, I mean, it works, but spinulosis are like super skinny velociraptors. And so it didn't feel any different than doing a snake. Um, right. But man, I don't know. Doing it on a bigger lizard would be, I don't think that would be fun, especially if they decided yeah. they didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was just going to comment that I only know maybe two or three people that I would actually trust to do it because in my experience, first of all, it's incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult. And the risk of damage is so much greater than that of a snake. Um, but it's also type of lizard specific. Yeah. So like large lizards like tegus and stuff. Actually, I think tegus are probably probed more than any other lizard. But I know people that probe tegus pretty easily in relation to other things. And most of the other ones are monitors. But like you're not going to probe skinks. You're, just, you're not. You know, you're not going to probe geckos. You know, you don't you right. don't have enough real, real estate there, let alone the physiology of the animals not designed for that type of instrument, in my opinion. I don't think you even should need to with geckos. Yeah. You know, if you got a jeweler's loop, I did 100%. that with crestids and guards. It's like, yeah. or show up fairly early on if you know what you're looking at, then it's fairly right. obvious. Yeah. And then we also have things that snakes don't have, like femoral pores. You know what I mean? So... I will say though. Well, like, the thing about that stuff like that is when yeah. you get. Go ahead, Bill. When you get small enough that you're worried about probes, you're usually talking about animals that either show pores or show hemipenal bulges. Yeah. Yeah. More on the gecko side of the world. And funny enough, a lot of the geckos that are quote unquote really hard to breed, uh, they don't show that. <laughs> and then most of the agamids that are quote unquote hard to breed, which to most folks is anything that's not a bearded dragon, but yeah, are the ones that don't show it. And and so then you start to get like, well, I mean, it's the size of a bearded dragon, so it looks like it could probably deal with a probe without hurting it, but it's not fat like a tegu where they just don't care. You know, how are you, you know, then you start, that's where people get real hesitant and that's where they mess up because yeah. you're, you're flipping it over. Like we were doing the spinulosis and you know, they were all pretty fresh imports and stuff. And so they're pretty little. And I don't think any of them were much, much bigger than a bearded, but um, you know, they, one of us was holding the back end. One of us was holding the front end. That person was definitely getting bit. And then <laughs> Erica was usually doing the probe. You know, it if you're doing smaller agamids, you know, painted agamas, starry agamas, things like that, maybe you could kind of do it on your own because they you could if you had a big enough hands to get the, the man grip on them. But, dude, it just sucks, man. It's it's a much more difficult prospect than snakes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also comes down to physiology, too, because, you know, the. If you have a lizard, an agamid type that has the same thickness tail 
of that of a snake, the hemipenal sheath on a snake is still long and lateral, while as on the lizard, it, it's more of like a pocket, right. you know, or, or like a pouch, if you will. Yeah. So even if you could get the probe correctly, your depth may be deceiving because it's so shallow. So. For sure. And, and you, you wouldn't probe them cause you don't need to, but like, yeah, you, look at the goofy stuff like chameleons. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if you, tr- I don't, please don't, no one listening to this ever try it, but it, you know, like if you can look up videos of chameleons, like if a Panther chameleon is trying to breed and she doesn't want it. And so he's got the hemipene out, you know, where it's feathered and corkscrewed and like this weird, crazy shit. Like if you tried to probe that, You'd be yeah. like, oh, that's a girl for sure. Like, it doesn't go very far at all. It's like, well, no, it folds in there like some gross accordion. It's, like a, it's not, yeah, it's not the same in the thing. Box. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Well put. That is the nice thing about Morelia, though, is once males hit that, you know, that, that mark, at least with Chondra's, it's about the two-year mark. If it's a boy, you're going to start getting plugs. Which even then, plugs is kind of a, a misnomer. So you think about hemipenes in the snake, they're they're inside out. They're like a sock inside the body. So when they shed, those aren't really sperm plugs per se, but it's like that outside skin that comes out. Um, and the nice thing with chondros too is the, you know, the, the more time you have with them, especially if you have multiple animals, you can tell behaviorally with, with decent accuracy what's a male and what's a female just by, you know, uh, sort of body tone, body shape, and the behavior. You know, the males definitely cruise more at night than the females do. Um, males move a lot more in general than the females do. And so if, you know, you have a group of them, sort of like I do, you can, over time, as they get, you know, as they grow, once they hit the yearling plus mark, you know, you can kind of get an idea of, like, I think that's a girl, I think that's a boy. This one I'm still not sure about, you know, and... I just wait for plugs yeah. or lack thereof. And that just makes it easier. It's, like it's, it's one of those things, like I said, I'm going to have it anyway, so I don't really care if it's a boy or a girl. Right. Um, you know, it, I'm very male heavy. It's a sausage fest over here right now, but that's, give that's it, okay. Give it time. I'd rather, well, honestly, I'd rather be male heavy. I'd rather have equal sex ratios or be male heavy. Everyone thinks it's all about the females and like stocking up on females, but I think it's good to have more males than girls. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So I've never understood that to be honest. I, I'm, I'm like neck deep into listening to the, to, uh, the Chameleon Academy podcast. Uh, if folks are interested in that kind of thing, and a lot of the folks that he talks to, um describe the same thing uh, so the problem with having a bunch of females is what you would think is a positive is you get a bunch of babies if it works right mm-hmm. yeah but then you got to deal with them like whereas you know in in most things having that male competition could be the key that a lot of folks are missing of well that i mean you i don't really read need a breeder there ain't nobody here taking her from me so who cares you know what I mean? Whereas that other male shows up and it's like, well, wait, I better hurry up yeah. and get this done because yeah. there's somebody, some other dudes here. You know, whereas you, you know, you get like 1.2 or 1.3 or whatever. 
and then the in the context that I'm talking about is folks that were talking about um, panther chameleons, and the the man he was interviewing was like, "Yeah, that's cool, but then if you do well, assuming you took good care of them and so on and so forth, you know, that's thirty babies a female." And it's like, all right, well, what what the hell do I do with ninety babies? Like, you don't just pop them out, charge four hundred dollars a piece, and they go the next day. Like that's not right. how that works. You know, it's it's makes a lot more sense to work your numbers. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It well, just also- I, I see so many people that are I, I, trios of everything. Like, well, it, it's almost never being worried that the girl didn't take like it's you didn't yeah. get him cold enough so he didn't develop sperm she tried to eat him you know it, it's always a him problem like it, it's yeah. it's rarely a her problem when you hear folks that have negative stories well that's i mean in the terms of of green trees and stuff too or even even rat snakes for that matter be it bears or corns or whatever like i would much rather put some extra money into a really killer male or really killer two males because I can breed those multiple times. Like females, it's you get, you know, that, that, that one pairing for the year. And like, that's it. Like with a killer male though, he can spread his seed all over the place. Yeah. But that's, that goes back to what Bill was saying of it's always a male problem. Well, what if your male isn't into it? That too, especially with condoms. You know? You, you may have a girl that bred one year and you're like, oh, great. She's receptive. And you do it again. And she's like, no, I'm sick of him. Yeah. I want a different dude. Yeah. You know? No, it's or, been pretty well documented with chondros. There's like some of them just aren't compatible for whatever reason. That yeah. female wants nothing to do with that male. And if you only have, you know, one or two males and, you know, six females, if they don't like the other one either, you're kind of in a, in a bit of a predicament. Um, yeah. Or you have a scenario like, like Bob Rock had with some of his boas where, you know, there's multiple males in an enclosure. One male does all the courtship work, but then he's too exhausted yeah. from the courtship <laughs> yeah. to get the job done. So the next male swoops in and does it for him. Yep. And I mean, as graphic as that may be, it worked. So if he didn't have multiple males, if he only had 1.1, 1.1, 1.1, like you wouldn't be able to do that. That's why I was really hoping that that, that conjure I have from Brahms, that really nice designer blue one that i have i was really hoping that would be a male but i'm i'm like 90 percent sure it's a girl so which is fine and all still too no big deal but it was like man if that was a boy he'd be putting in some work in a couple of years man he'd be going to freaking everything so bill did you ever figure out what you're going to do with that giant enclosure Man, don't ask me that. <laughs> Come on, man. It's been like a month. You got to figure something out. I am uh, slowly building. Now, um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm not pretty sure. I am sure. Uh, I'm going to do the South America thing like we were talking. And right now I am trying to decide how I want to do the perching I I think that I want to copy the perching that I did for the green iguana enclosure and then 
which is fine. It, it's not it's not like a complicated uh, thing to build. The the Zoopoxy kind of adds some expense there, but that's yeah. just the nature of the product. But um, the the my thing now is it's do I want to? It's lighting and their snakes. I really want to set up the lighting in the same way. And because right now my red tails and my Amazon tree bows utilize the UV that I provide them. They don't utilize it necessarily in the same way that the green iguana does. I mean, he, you know, he full on basks like a sunbather, um, heat and UV separately. And so I kind of want to provide them a similar lighting setup and see how they utilize it. The, the issue being, I want to see, I want to play with how to regulate that. And if I'm going to use fake or live plants to create shade and, and how I want to do that. So it's more, I'm getting into the weeds on, on the details of how I want to do it. But the, I put the doors on, uh, I'm looking at potential, uh, turtle inhabitants for the base. I think I want uh spot legged wood turtles. My son and I were talking about that. Um, nice. They come from Guyana and a couple of similar, similar places to the red tails. And so I think that uh, that could really work out. Conixus. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I have, I have an entire dining room of plants that uh, we brought all the, uh, um, pothos and different house plants and stuff we keep them outside in the summertime and just let them take over the front porch and then we pull them into the dining room to keep that growth going through the winter so i mean i have i have enough plants to deck the whole thing out that's not a problem i just need to figure out how i want to set up my lights alan stevens at the same time i'm uh so the base is a 300 gallon uh racetrack trough so that's uh Almost seven feet long. The, the the base, sorry, the base that that trough is just under seven feet long. It is uh, three feet front to back and almost three feet deep. And inside of that trough, there's nine hundred and sixty pounds of dirt. Uh, I have right now. I have a handful of elephant ear hostas uh, making kind of a shade canopy that's about. They're about two feet tall. I have ryegrass planted, and then there's a 15-gallon um, concrete mixing tub for a water feature. Um, that's not pretty or anything yet. It's just it's just in there like, as a kind of plain thing. And then I it's in the basement of my facility, and so uh, I just built the rest of the enclosure to the ceiling of the basement. And so grand total, it is another uh 50 inches above the trough base Wh whatever you know four feet wide seven feet long dude just keep um, a possum in it and then i'm gonna do what's up so just put a possum in it yeah i don't know I don't know. I I should just dump all my morning geckos in there and leave it. Well, that, I was actually that would be interesting. I was going to say is I was just watching uh, somebody in China was taking the you know the black metal screen that they put around 
the base of a sapling tree so that nothing can get at it. There it is. I knew Alan was, mm-hmm. was getting yeah. at something. Yeah. How big was the setup? Yeah, Mertens for this sure. But so so these these Chinese guys were taking this black metal screen that they used to protect sapling trees in the nursery, and they were basically drilling it or stapling it into the frame of their enclosure and then bending it and moving it. Then they take spray foam and they fill the inside of the metal tube with spray foam so that some of the foam comes through the screen. And then once they've got that, then they just cover it with grout or whatever they're doing to make like fake vines and fake branches. And I thought that would be a really cool, fairly lightweight way to do like horizontal vines and horizontal branches. Yeah, I've so I've I've attempted a similar thing with the Zupoxy, which is heavier than the spray foam. Now that I think of it, so you probably have a better idea. But you could do um, you could do great foam with that, carve it, and then cover it in dry lock. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, actually, come to think of it, I'm pretty sure that once they once the foam came through the screen and it hardened, I'm pretty sure they used dry lock. Yeah, that'd be yeah, pretty and they sweet. Get some kind of animal safe paint on top, you know, to add like certain textures of the vines and stuff. And then because it's foam and it has all those little screen holes, they took fake silk and silicone plants and just stuck it in the foam through the holes in the screen. And it would obviously anchor it appropriately. And then they could still paint around it and, you know, grout around it or true lock around it. Yeah, so I did a similar thing with the iguana enclosure, but I, I didn't use the fake plants because I don't want them to eat them. But the, the, um, <laughs> the, the base is actually PVC pipe covered in that zoopoxy. But the PVC pipe is the pipe that's meant for um, tile underneath of a field. And so it's got evenly spaced holes. And then I stick greens in those holes and he let him eat them. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. I didn't even think of that. There's definitely a delay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Just a tad. Just a scotch. The Ackies are going to be needing an upgrade soon. Oh, really? Already? Yeah. I don't. I mean, the. So I'm pretty sure it's a pair because the, the females, one of them is considerably larger than the other one. The tail is really fat. Just. From what I've been told and read, a pretty good sign of a female. Um, yeah, I, I mean, easily, probably by June, I'm thinking they'll they'll definitely need something. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Probably need to figure that out. Alan Stevens is the, the reason I have them. So what you're telling me is that once you upgrade them to a newer, bigger enclosure you'll have their old enclosure at perfect time to get another pair of babies. Of Kim's, yeah. <laughs> oh, ooh. Breaking I want, out, dude, I, I'm... Breaking out the big guns. Damn Podfather and Alan there in the chat. Alan is a horrible influence. I say that all the time, and it's true. 
Yep. 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 I still like the, the Aki's right, still, still a robot. Really want nothing to do with me. Not really, no. Yeah, yeah talk some more. See what happens. Floating face in a dark okay. room. Talk some more, Bill. Pirate ghost. Hello. Hello. This is what they deal with on the news channels. Yeah, right. We don't have a cute weather girl to flash to. Bill. Mr. Bill Bradley. Bill. 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 I don't know. I think I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff, gentlemen. Good stuff. I know when it catches up because Justin's foot moves and smoke rises. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, see, now he's wearing pants North. and shoes. I'm wearing slippers. Don't get it. Oh, I was going to say, it must be cold there. I get it confused. It's not really. It's just cooler. Mm. Cooler. Snake season is approaching. Oh, what's, what's, wait, 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 wait. What is pants and slippers cool weather? I think it's like low 60s right now. Ouch. Come on, man. You can't, you can't compare down here to up there, okay? It's just not a fair comparison. I mean, a, a, a my entire family chat. wore shorts to the gym tonight because it was 52. We were so excited. Well, I made a comment earlier about how Bill Bradley's our Lord of the North, and he didn't realize it was him. He thought I was making a Game of Game of Thrones joke. I was like, "No, man, that's you, Bubba." Meanwhile, I'm in flip flops and basketball shorts because it is a balmy 82 degrees right now. It's yeah. been been. Like we had nice eighty degree weather and then it disappeared for a couple of days and it's supposed to come back tomorrow, I think. So my kids are so yeah. excited it's gonna be sixty in three days. It's like <clears throat> the second coming. <laughs> Man, what I would do for sixty degree weather. Oof. No frostbite. I got like two days of cool weather. Two days this year. Sucked. Goddamn global warming. Damn you, Al Gore. Damn you, Al Gore. No, but I went over to my neighbor. Man, he invented the internet. The man bear pig. <laughs> I went over to my neighbor's house today because she got bit by a copperhead a couple days ago. Really? Yeah. Why didn't we open Whoa. with that? I don't I don't know. Man. Um, so she was she has a big old brick pile in her in her yard. And she was going through to pick out some bricks or something. And I'm not, we're not talking about a pile like a nice stack. We're talking about like rubble, like a pile of bricks, literally. Um, and so she went to go grab one and stuck her hand down in, in a, a, like a little hole. And lo and behold, um, got nailed by, a, by an adult copperhead. I saw pictures. It was, wasn't a big adult, but it was an adult. And so she went to the hospital and stayed there for a couple days. She's fine now, but what finger to get her on? And uh, uh, her index—I don't know if it was on her left or her right. Not that it really matters. Right. Um, but yeah, she was wearing gloves, and it, it got her right through the glove. So. Oh wow! 
And do we know what happened to the snake? A snake got killed. Naturally. Yep. The, okay. uh, the next door neighbor to them came over and because the joke that I've been making the last couple of days is because it tasted blood, it had to go. It was, you know, now it's a bloodthirsty monster and they chopped it up into like three pieces because I'm like, you just got to make sure it's dead, dead, right? It's dumb. So they wanted me to go over and dig through that that pile. And so I did that today for a little bit. And of course, didn't see anything. I can understand. I told him, you know, I explained to him, I was like, this is pretty much a magnet for snakes because it wasn't, it was like the rock piles that you'd see in like Texas, like when we were yeah. there, like perfect. Yeah. Just, and I told him, I was like, this is, this is ideal for them because they can get away from predators easy. There's tons of little hiding areas for them. Like now that it's cooler still, you know, the sun beats down on this pile and those bricks heat up. So it's a nice like little thermal area. And yeah. I was sure I'd see a coral snake or something in that pile, and I didn't. But damn, it's a shame. Well, well so what happened to her? Uh, she just she went to the hospital. She was in the ICU for a couple of days. She got some crofab. Couple um, days, like two or three. Wow. Okay. She was so back she... to work literally like yesterday, I think. So, how, do you know how many vials they gave her? Uh, I don't off the top of my head. I think okay. it was like three or four, maybe more. Okay. And no necrosis. So, no. so I have a insensitive question. Is this a smaller or larger person? No, she's smaller. She's not. She's not like stereotypical American, like morbidly obese or anything like that. She is older. Um. Okay. I just. But, I mean, it sounds like she handled it like a yeah. champ. I think it was mostly yeah. a precautionary measure. I don't think it was really sure. I think sure. They called the ambulance. Unfortunately, we live literally like not even maybe a mile from from a fire station that has EMS there too, and so they were there before they were even done on the phone with them. And I think she was going into shock wow. a little bit. I think she was just freaked out by the whole thing so much that it you know sent her into sent her into shock, and she said it hurt. And I'm like, yeah, it typically does. You know. It's, <laughs> Yeah, because I have an uncle that that went to the hospital because he he got bit. Um, and this was also a copperhead. It was behind his shop that he works at, and you know he ended up leaving the hospital because they wouldn't let him have a cigarette or something stupid like that. And so I'm like, you didn't get bit, dude. Yeah, you got a, you got a dry bite. You got lucky because if you would if you had been bit, you would have fucking known it. Yeah, yeah. You know, there would be no mistake that something was not right. Right. It's not like you get bit and it's like, oh yeah, I didn't feel anything, but my hands turned black. It's like no. You 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 would have known. So he got lucky. She didn't. But I explained to her, I was like, the likelihood of this happening again, especially in the same spot, is probably pretty slim. I went through that pile and dug pretty deep. I mean, it went it went surprisingly far down. Like the bricks just kept coming. Really? And yeah, and I was I was amazed. I didn't see anything. Didn't see any steraria. Didn't see you know any coral snakes or nothing. I was like, this did, is. Did you use your hands? No. <laughs> Why not, man? Come on. I learned from other people's mistakes. <clears throat> but of course, now, you know, I live. I just love the. Uh, hey, the neighbor ended up in the hospital. Snake guy, can you go dig through this for us? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's how she went to the hospital. Why are you asking me? What are you talking about? I was all about it. I was like, hell yeah, I want to find some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they don't know that, that we're into it. You know what I mean? Like if if you're a person who is scared of the pack of copperheads that are bloodthirsty chasing the neighbor now, 
Like it's it's kind of a backhanded thing to be like, oh hey, other dude, will you dig in this super dangerous thing for us? It's true. I, I don't really think of it like that, but that's very true. I'm always more concerned with like, hey, what is this? And it's a snake cut up in three pieces. Yeah, it's like well, I don't know. Oh, yeah. What's this dog that I just chopped? You got pieces? that picture today too, because yeah. they were like, "Oh, you want to see a picture of it?" And I thought maybe they got a picture of it when it was alive. It was like, no, it was in like three pieces, and they were like, the head was still moving and biting and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's how a lot of people get bit. So a lot of you know, if I chop your head off, your eyes are still gonna look around. You know that, right? Ugh. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's a bummer, on, but you know, on a lighter note, uh, my wonderful beautiful amazing girlfriend Anna Maria text me a picture of the biggest scarlet snake I've ever seen trying to make entry into her patio and she FaceTimes me she's like what is this is this this isn't a coral is it and I was like no that's a scarlet snake she goes that's a king snake right and I was like well no it's not this is where yeah I was like (laughs) you know it's not the dangerous one good for you love you but there's two. I said, do the bands go all the way around or does it have a, a white or cream colored belly? She's like, it's belly's cream color. I was like, pick that thing up. Bring it inside. Play with it for a little bit. And she didn't. It, it got away before, but she got some some good some good pictures. And the thing was gigantic for a scarlet snake. It had to be at least two feet long. Wow. I've never seen a scarlet snake that wow. big. And of course, it's always when you're not herping. You know right. what I mean? Yep. So, uh, yeah. But I thought that was cool, man. I thought it was cool. It's her first. It's her first snake in her yard. Yeah. Well, all my neighbors, because a lot of them that live near uh, the one who got bit, they're all like terrified now, and they're asking, "Check my woodpile." Like, what should I do? And yeah, you know, it's like that. I'd tell them, I'm like, they're just as much of a part of our nature and neighborhood as the squirrels and bees and trees are. It's, you know, you don't, yeah. it's so easy to not get bit. If you leave them alone, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And I, I did, so I did last year, they had me do like a little presentation for the neighborhood. Cause I guess a lot of them had heard that I was like the, the snake guy. And so I brought one of my corns and I made a PowerPoint and stuff and I talked to them and, you know, a big part of it was like, that's cool. Watch where your fingers and hand, like your your hands and and feet are going. And if you're gonna walk around at night, especially this time of year, now it's starting to warm up. Like wear closed toed shoes. Yeah. Um, you know this stuff exists. Like this stuff is is around. Just pay attention to what you're what you're doing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love the orange on that head. Yeah. And I did like how it's got some like tipping back here. That's a Florida Honduran boy. Yes, sir, it is. And uh, I was trying to get an idea. These um, these pavers here are like right around ten inches long. So you figure it's yeah, just about one. just about two foot. Bet you that's an old one too. Yeah, yeah. She's like, "What sh- should I move it to?" Like, and I was like, "No, leave him be. He's doing his job." You know. So, it's cool, man eating all her snails and stuff she's got in her yard. Mm-hmm. Very proud of her. Very proud of her. I always find it odd that people sell those. Mm. Like, why? Like, yeah. You ain't going to be able to keep that thing alive. <clears throat> those things are specialized feeders, man. Yeah. I got one local Herper kid who, I mean, kid, he's 21, 22 now, but he kept like two or three of them because he would go digging through all the hedges and find anole eggs. 
and he would just leave an eggs in there and he, he, they would just eat the eggs. One time he even had an egg hatch and it ate the lizard that hatched out. Really? Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Alan Stevens said he saw uh, blue and black basilisks at the Super Show. Put that in the big cage, Bill. Yeah, Alan Stevens is spending a lot of my money in the chat is what he's doing. Because <laughs> I I was roboting in and out of existence when he uh, told me to throw Mertens in there. And uh, I'm friends with Mike Stefani. And e- even at like the cool <laughs> buddy price, uh, Mertens, Mertens is for real. Like, so... Uh, probably not a Mertens enclosure. I could build a ridiculous Mertens. I have a, I'm that idiot. I have a spare 250 circular trough in my backyard that is probably going to go for a water monitor, a, a Asian water monitor. Um, but yeah, I could I could make some silly Mertens stuff out of that if I uh, had Mertens money. Just get a Komodo. Yeah, you do educational stuff. Surely there's a permit for that. So. Oh, I not not a Komodo. Um, I do have a friend who runs a zoo up here who was able to get a Komodo. Uh, just he's not an AZA facility; he's a ZAA facility. Uh, but in the SSP, they had a Komodo that was not able. She wasn't able to reproduce, and so she was allowed to go as a single animal uh, to a ZAA facility, and so he was able to do that. Um, it honestly. Like building the enclosure and setting up for that thing wasn't really any more difficult than it. Like, I mean, it's bigger than my Argus right. monitor, but the setup is basically this. Like, he just had a longer version of my Argus monitor enclosure because it's just a longer lizard. Like, it, it wasn't, you know, uh, like crazy. He just had a whole bunch of heat lamps and a really long enclosure. You know, I mean, it was. It's not a super complicated thing. It's just space, you know. For whatever reason, I've seen some of those and some Niles on my local Craigslist within the last year. So I'm like, I guarantee you it's just they got to be too much. And people were like, yeah, I can't handle this damn thing. It's too much. For sure. Well, I saw baby Argus at the Tampa Repticon. They had baby Argus in like a 20 long. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Several people have been uh, really successful with them in the last couple of years, uh, which is cool. The, the problem with that, that whole complex, like Flavies and, and different things, sand monitors and stuff, we, we lost a lot of those things to crosses earlier on, like when Frank Reitz was really killing it with stuff. Um, I think, I mean, to be blunt, I don't think a lot of folks could afford them. And so they could afford one or the other. And then you kind of lost a lot to crosses in the Gouldie complex, yeah. probably because of the price point. Um, like the sale fins. But then like Argus themselves, it, and even for the Argus, man, like there's, you know, you, I don't like to reference some folks, but if you hear somebody like Tom Crutchfield talk about back in the day, um, when different animals would come in, like he always talks about Dumeril's monitors and he swears up and down that we're getting the raw, monitor now because back in the day they were all like five feet long and now they're little and they max out like three and a half or four and he he swear he's like they're coming from a different port or a different place like it's a different locality or whatever 
Um, and Ar I have a lot of people who talk that way about Argus, where my male Argus is a 50-inch monster. I mean, he's huge. And people, people always discount it when I tell them, but my male Argus was missexed for the longest time because the lady that I adopted him from, she's pretty hands-off. Uh, very good keeper, but she never really had any intention of making use of the fact that it was a male or a female. And her mm -hmm. male, I mean, her male was a real seven foot lizard. Like I, I saw it in person. I had my hands on it. It was bigger than me. And my male was the female of the pair because it was the small one. And it's a, it's an actual 50 inch lizard dinosaur and and so i i get her took her to a show she averted a hemipene and i was like oh that's why you never got eggs because it's a boy <laughs> <laughs> um and now i have a female who a friend gave me uh she was producing eggs he never had a male he was like this is silly you know you have a, a male um we should definitely hook up i was like yeah that'd be great she's maybe 30 inches total. Um, like I had a real concern about him eating her when yeah. I saw them together. And I was like, that this isn't the same lizard. Like these aren't the same lizards, but I know well, that they're the same lizards. Well, and for, I know she's mature. I, I, I've seen the eggs that she's put out. I know she's mature and I've seen his equipment. I know, I know he's mature. But they literally look like different lizards. Like, he's so much bigger. Yeah, forgive me for what I'm about to say, but is you, isn't there a different... There's, like, New Guinea locality, and then there's Aussie stuff? Yes, yes, So is, is yours is yours Aussie? And what well, we're only seeing now is New Guinea? That's what we're thinking. So I, I have no, no way to confirm that, of course. Um, but the what I've read and what I hear from folks is that the thought process is a lot of folks that are having success now are like, Oh yeah. What's the big deal. You keep it like a dry new uh, Indo monitor. It's no big deal. It's not that much bigger than a mangrove or whatever. And I'm sitting here like, dude, what are you talking about, man? Mine are in an eight by four by four in, you know, gigantic enclosure. But then I find, you know, this female comes to me because when I went to pick her up, I took a tough box that fits in a pickup truck. And my friend was like, what the hell are you doing? And he brought out like a Rubbermaid from the <laughs> hardware store. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't think we can put these lizards together. Uh, he'll just he would just eat her. Like, I, I think he's probably eaten pieces of chicken that weigh more than her. And then my buddy was like, nah, man. They're Argus monitors. There's no way it's that big. I'm like, uh, you need to come to my house because it's definitely that big. <laughs> like, wow. It, I don't know. It's it is a, a stark contrast. But then you hear old timers, man, and they swear up and down. Oh, we used to get black roughnecks and brown roughnecks, and dude, you know, there was a five footer with a leash and all this crazy stuff. And everybody now thinks they're Indicus complex ditch lizards. Yeah. It's like, I don't think we're getting the same place mailing us lizards, man. Yeah. And, and I kept doomerals back in the day. I had, I had several of them and mine were smaller, 
and they were maybe four foot with the tail and they I, they were never breeder size i got rid of them before they were really breedable but underground man we used to get in fresh out the swamp dumerals monitors that the body was like four foot you know plus yeah. the tail so who knows maybe we maybe we fish that pond dry of that larger locality who knows now scott's in yeah the chat, i mean that's, that's definitely no a possibility way. yeah scott's in the chat he's saying no way i'm assuming on my whole new guinea argus thing so scott feel free to type something out if you'd we're always welcoming your well two cents, i also sir. Did I disappear? Oh, there I am. Oh, you, you lagged um, out. Sorry. Nope. Uh, let's see what Alan says. I think there's both types of Argus. Panoptus are just north of Cape York area and smaller dwarf species throughout Indo. Okay. So, yeah, maybe. I've caught, and Scott says, I have caught five and a half foot Panoptus. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I do wonder sometimes... <laughs> And, and I, I have no idea. We should Dan Maleri or one of those guys. We should pick their brains. But I do wonder if that isn't also the case of Indo Argus. And there's like a dude farming them in Indo, you know, and maybe not so yeah. much type of thing. I mean, I, I do remember people talking about an Indo locality of Argus where, and and they almost had like a greenish tinge to them like almost like an olive tinge to the face and neck. But this was 15, almost 20 years ago. So I don't really remember exactly what was what. And I was young right. and dumb back then. So what do I know? But I do I do vaguely remember that. So Justin, did you send Scott the link or no? You're muted, Smitty. Yes. Okay, cool. See, but, and we also don't have as many folks like the old school guys i mean dan of course is the exception but that they're that go over there and are like no i want to pick out from you know because that we get in the indicus complex and the blue tails and all the different islands and stuff that are from and we just get this box and it's like okay well this one is definitely orange and this yeah. one doesn't have any blue on its tail like which, which one of you dudes mailed this to me you know and it it's just a different game now as opposed to going over there like, yeah, I was hanging out on this island at the bar and the dude brought the orange ones. So they're from here for sure. You yeah. know? Yeah. Well, that's like Henry and I got really lucky with the Promoculatas and stuff because we were in direct communication with the guys that bred them and field collected them. So like we didn't get exact GPS coordinates, but we knew that they were from you know, northeast shore, blah 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 beach in Sumatra. You know. Oh wow! Boy, so, look at that goatee. Look at that handsome man's goatee. What? It, yeah. What is that? Is that the Undertaker? That's called. I've been locked up with COVID too long. Man, <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on a fucking book for too long. That's what it is. What it is. But anyway, oh Jesus! How are we, guys? Good. 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 Yeah. School us on trout spotting um, lizards, Aussie man. Oh, man. Panoptes, what a clusterfuck they are. Um, so the, the reality of it is, right, is that New Guinea and Australia, basically you need to look at it as being the same entity. 
okay? Um, they were separated, they've only been separated for about 8,000 years, which is not long enough anything to speciate. Let's be realistic about it, right? So you, you've got to basically look at them as being the same population that might have some geographical variants and some changes in their morphology, but genetically they're going to be the same animals for the, for the most part. Um, they are a big mobile animal, but you always see little females and big males in those, those large varanas, right? Parentes are the same. The parenti, an adult male parenti is two to three times the mass and at least twice the length of a female. You see the same thing in, in Sandys as well. Nine times out of ten, most populations of Sandys, the females are small, the males are big. Rosenbergs is exactly the same. And so Rosenbergs, Panoptes and Gouldi all form a species group within uh, Varanus. And so they all have the same sort of characteristics in a lot of that. Um, yes, they can, um, you know, rep you know, they can eat each other. Um, but that's all about the way you pair your animals. If you pair them right, you're not going to tend to have too many issues. Um, you need to watch them. You need to watch them really closely. Um, I know the, the late Peter Krauss had, um, had some issues at times when he was pairing certain laces together and certain parentes together with others. And, you know, there's, there's horror stories of, you know, walking up to an enclosure and there's a tail hanging out of the mouth of one of the larger other goannas. So um, that's something needs to be mindful of. But there's ways of introducing these things together so you're not eliciting a food response. And, you know, it might be that you've got to set the two enclosures up sitting next to each other and those two enclosures sitting next to each other allow the animals to interact and then watch the behaviour of the monitors. And the minute that it goes from being a food type response to, hey, I'm, I'm checking this girl out, um, you, you probably don't have too many issues then. So you're saying, though, just to, that's fantastic. But going back to the locality thing, you're saying that even yeah. if we have Argus that are of a New Guinea locality, the fact that they're smaller is just because smaller genetics have been put in there and it has nothing to do with locality? Well, I, I can't be absolute about it. Sure, sure. But, no, of, of course. There, there's no doubt um, But at the same time, you know, the population was, was abutting 8,000 years ago. There was no Australia and New Guinea. It was Saul 8,000 years ago. Right, so so that's that's got to be taken into consideration. Um, where they're collecting these things may also have an influence as well, right? So um, the panoptes that you see in the top end prior to, to toads coming through and decimating them um, were big, large, big, large varanids. Um, they were heavily bodied and... They occupied that, that big generalist niche, I suppose. Um, what's going on in New Guinea, you might have things like crocodile monitors that are occupying the really large niche that varanids fit over there. And if that's the case, then there might be a selection, a selective pressure to reduce the size of panoptes in, in New Guinea, where they abut with things like Salvadori. Um, but, you know, again, that's all speculation. So without actually going over there and spending time in New Guinea and looking at those things, 
it, you, you're going to be sort of grasping at straws. Um, certainly the ones on Cape York look pretty similar to me to the ones that I've seen on um, in the Northern Territory. When you go further south and you start to get where you get you know, Panoptes rubidus, um, there's a there's certainly a differentiation there um, versus uh, Panoptes horny, which whether it's something different or not, I don't know. Okay, cool. Very cool. That's kind of that's kind of what I was thinking too. Is that it may not be a locality thing. It may just be the lizards that we have been breeding stateside are just smaller lizards. You know, there's no, there's nothing that really says that, you know, if Bill produced Argus, that half the clutch would grow to be three foot and the other half would grow to be five. Who knows? But it's like that arbitrary thing that you see in captivity where people breed from a certain line and then the line takes on a characteristic and then people don't understand the difference between what's a line bred trait and what's going on in the wild, right? You know, you see that happen a lot with diamond pythons where people go, oh, that's not a diamond because it's got a, a squeal on its back somewhere. And it's like, you fucking, you guys don't look at diamonds in the wild. The diamonds in the wild have got squiggles on their back in some locations, in some individuals. So you get that, that variation, but you don't seem to see that variation, particularly with very small gene pools, like what you see in certain species in captivity over in Europe, Australia and, and, uh, overseas. So you've got to be careful that you're not seeing a trait that you see in captivity and applying that to all of the all of the species because you're assuming that all of the species are like that based on the small representation you've seen out of captivity. Yeah, well put. So, yeah, fun and games. How's everyone else been? Good, good. Can you tell the the good people why chondros are the best Morelia? Um, because they don't do much; they're lazy. There you go. I think that would work. How's my? They're butler just lazy. Right? Yeah, I was going to say, how are the butler I doing? They've had their first shed. One of them's eaten voluntarily. The other five I'm force feeding, but that's all right. I'm still happy. Um, they've shed, yeah, they've shed. They've had their first shed, so they they went from they come out grey, and then they sort of start getting colour and getting more colour, more and more and more colour. So, so yeah, so that's that's where they're at there. But you know, we've we've had some fun with floodwater of late over the last forty eight hours. So, um, I've had rain at our place like I've never seen before. It was absolutely insane. In 72 hours, we had 22 inches. Wow. No rain. Yeah, we saw on Facebook so, flooding. Fuck, mate. It was pretty full on. Um, 900 mil of depth. Did you do anything for the outdoor enclosures? Yeah, it pulled all the monitors in. Pulled everything in. <clears throat> so, you know, and then I've cleaned them all off. Because there's, in that flood water, there's diesel and all sorts of horrible shit, so... Yeah. Um, so I've cleaned them all up and, you know, at the moment I've just got enclosures and animals bagged and all the rest of it and 
Um, we've unbagged all the venomous now. We bagged up all of the venomous in the in the low lying parts, just in case that you know if the flood really came up really high and somehow got into the the hurt building. Um, we wanted to make sure that everything was re- prepped and ready to go, so we bagged everything up. Um, oh, moved everything that we needed to move and put all the animals where they needed to go. And yeah, now we're cleaning and letting things dry out and, and we'll put everything back in. So, you know, fun yeah. and games. This yeah. is what you do when you have, have yeah. animals, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but did it's, you, it's you good because I mean, it allows you. What's that? Did you guys have any warning or no? Nah, not really. It came up. It was sitting at um, oh, about 450 mil over the road um, for a day, day and a half. Um, and so that, that meant that we were minimising our interaction with Venomous straight off the bat there because yeah. if something goes fucking wrong, it's, it's, it's a bit harder to get help. So, you know, reduce the, reduce the risk and and minimise the interactions. Um, and then it went from 450 over the road to, to 550, 600, sorry, 750 mil over the road within about an hour. So it went up 300 mil in an hour. Um, and then it, it rose, and then over the next three hours, that's when I my asshole started puckering a bit um, because it rose so quickly, so fast, and it was still... Absolutely raining cats and dogs. Um, and I'm sitting there looking at the, the radar reports and looking at the, the driveway and I'm just looking at coming further and further up the driveway thinking to myself, I really don't want to be cleaning this shit out of my house. And, um, yeah, yeah, it, um, yeah. It, thankfully it didn't quite get there. So, um, That's good. yeah, it was, a, it was a restless night, but, you know, Playing with critters at two o'clock in the morning is not the not the best thing to be doing. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, have, so we bagged them early and happy days. Nice. Do Do you guys have like by me and farther north of me? There's like these small. I mean, we call them irrigation ditches, but basically, next to the shoulder of the road is a small dip in the in the dirt that's maybe only a foot mm-hmm. or two deep. Do you guys have anything like that or no? So we've got the normal gutters in the street and then 200 metres or so from the house, there's a, a gutter like you're talking about that is two and a half metres deep okay. by 12 metres wide. And that was just full. Um, and then the, it overflowed. Um, that flows into a creek. That creek flows into a river. That river's tidal. So basically, once the tide hit on that tidal river, it just, you know, basically got a suction effect and then just drew the, the water out of the creek, which led to a drop in, in water levels between the drain and the, and the creek and sucked the water out of the drain. So um, it, it, it came down fairly quickly, but again, it rose up. I mean, this morning when I, I toddled off to, to, to go and make some money, um, it was a, a challenging exercise to get to work. So, but I can imagine. Well, these things are what they are, mate. There's a lot of people who are in a lot worse state than we are. So, yeah. you know, just got to be thankful yeah. for what we've got. But it's good to see that, you know, the emergency management plans that we have in place and stuff like that do work. 
Um, and it's always good to, to have a test run of your procedures and and uh, and show that they do actually work in an emergency when you need to. So. Yeah, it's good to know that you still got it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still know how to bag snakes, mate. Can you all have to worry about the crocs and stuff with the flooding like that? Hey, I, I like crocs. Crocs are good. I don't worry about them. Um, there's no crocs. Well, there's no crocs officially where we are. Um, there's, even though there's two museum specimens um, from the 1900s, but and saltwater crocodiles move a long bloody way. Um, but from where we are, it's about 350k north before you start to sort of semi-reliably start seeing salty. So I just assume um, that Australia is just one big lawless swamp like Florida is. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we've got a shitload of laws, that's for sure. Um, and, yeah, we're we're about the driest swamp on Earth, I think, mate. Uh, have you ever had a transplant wash onto your property? Like, all of a sudden, now you have turtles in your yard that are aquatic turtles that <laughs> aren't supposed to be there? <laughs> the damn red-eared sliders. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there's red, there's there's ready a sliders here in in Queensland, um, but they were releases from pet shops and then turned into pet, pet species and all the rest of it. And they're trying to eradicate them. But um, oh, look in the when I was catching snakes out of houses, you know, we got the odd odd weird thing turn up. Um, you know, turned up snakes out of Western Australia and the Northern Territory and uh, things like that in in southeast Queensland. I I got a brown tree snake when I was in Melbourne, which is a, a long way away from home. Um, I know another bloke who picked up a taipan in Melbourne um, at the Queen Victoria market. So it's a fruit market down there. And he picked up a taipan in the fruit market that had come down in a box of fruit from Queensland. So um, wow. we get those sorts of things happen. Um, but And then obviously escape pets and things like that as well. Yes fairly routinely hear about people picking up things like water pythons and children's pythons and stimpsons and uh, that sort of stuff. Um, so, you know, it, it happens. It does happen. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit different than the pygmy rattlesnake in the potted plant at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would have loved to have been the one that got the call out to go get that type in. Jeez, that would have... Um, that would have been a bit of a an interesting one to catch, um, but but yeah, look, I mean, I know other people. I know one bloke who got called out to a um, uh, to a trimasurus that had turned up in a in a pot of plants in some pots. Um, really, I know another guy. Yeah, there was another guy who got called out to an icus who thought it was a baby scrub python. That was an interesting wow. one. I call I call bullshit on it. I said no way. I said, you're full of shit. And yeah. they go, no, no, here you go. And then they sent me the photo. No I was shit. Like, shit, okay. And that was Icarus Caranatus. Uh, and it wow. came over from from Pakistan. The the guy was the importer of pots. And it came over in an importation of pots from Pakistan. And, yeah, it was a it was Icarus Caranatus. So, Damn, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yes. ring over there. Oh man, it, it, I, that that one was a scary one, right? Because it, if the snake catcher thought it was a, a scrub python, 
and he was careful so it didn't bite him, but it, it was that could have gone really badly. And there's no anti venom in Australia for you. Yeah, but how do you how do you mix that up? If you're a snake catcher, if you're a licensed snake catcher, you fancy yourself a snake enthusiast to the point where you're a guy that they call to catch snakes. How the hell do you confuse an echis with a Because some people because some people do a snake catching course and that makes them a snake catcher, according mm-hmm. to them. Right? It's like yeah. um it's like it's like somebody saying that I'm, I do wildlife demonstrations because they take their their milk snake, their corn uh, their corn snake and their fucking blood python to a show, to a school and show little Timmy and little Jane. Right, that doesn't make them a wildlife educator because they've done it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, it's like saying somebody's a venomous enthusiast because they they look at them in books or something like that. You know what I mean? It just doesn't fucking work that way. Um, yeah, I get it. And and look, you know, at the same time too. Um, what have, what do we got? There's probably three thousand species of snake, and that are just currently described. Um, and then there's probably another. Four to five hundred that aren't described. Um, there'd be whole families of stuff that I'm not aware of, but I have no hope in hell of working out what they were unless I sat down and actually figured it out. Um, so you know, the the thing is, is this is an animal that was obviously different, but to this person, they weren't really too familiar with it, and you know, that's what it, that's what they assumed it was. You know. Um, there's been a few horror stories like that over here. There was a, a case in the 50s where a guy was, um, uh, he was on the docks down in Sydney and he pulled out a what he was telling everyone was a children's python um, that he bought from a bloke for five bucks. And he happened to show the photo of it to uh, a very well-known snake handler over here. And the guy's face ran cold and he goes, mate, where is this snake? And he goes, oh, it's at, it's at home. He goes, call home now and make sure that that nobody goes near that, near that snake. I will come and I'll go to that house that afternoon. So anyway, so he went to that house that afternoon and he very cautiously opened up the enclosure and picked up the snake and put it into a bag and happened to show them the two-inch, oh, the inch-long fangs that are sitting in the head of a Russell's Viper that they were telling people was a children's python. Wow. So, Jesus. Pretty well-known story over here from the, from the 60s. So, um, and, like, the guy didn't believe it because he's got these kids. The kids have been handling this snake. Everyone have been handling this snake. The snake was really laid back and chilled out for whatever reason. But when John picked it up by the head, mouth, next thing you see is you see these two big things. And I believe that snake ended up going to the wrong visit. Wow. That was, again, you know, it's that back that's wild, pretty, especially pretty knowing how many dudes of, in uh, India get tagged uh, by those things trying to freaking put them in a bag. Yeah. Yeah. See, one of one of few snakes what, I can literally let what it was that, sorry? I was talking about it's surprising that nobody got, oh, uh, got bit. 
given how many you know indie guys in india have videos of them getting nailed because they were you know trying to put one in a bag or you know hook it and it somehow airlifts itself you know two feet off the ground and nails them yeah absolutely insane but then you see those other videos where somebody's like trying to do something and you look at it you know it's going to go pear-shaped and next thing you just see the flash and you see the guys holding your finger going oh shit i've just been nailed so anyway all right guys i better keep moving eh? yeah thanks for stopping by man love the stay insight. dry yeah stay dry yeah we'll give it a crack all right I'll leave you with it guys thanks eh? later Thanks for the info, man. Old Scott. Always a good time. That's the man that's right up there with the pictures like you in the ID groups of like someone holding a fucking cane break and they're like, What species is this? Yeah, but I mean I can nowadays I never wrap my head around that. Like if you don't know what it is, why are you touching it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just there's a lot of fakes out there too, like a lot of like uh, guys in Africa posting on the African Snake ID group, and it's clearly like a cane break, and they they post it on purpose to be a dick, you know. And everyone's like, "This is a group for serious African snakes. Please don't do that," you know. I don't so, know, yeah. man. I've seen some where there was people they were very clearly handling something, and were oblivious to. Uh to what it was that they had in their hands. And it's like, I don't. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I have a brain, but Uh, I I can't. can't. We had that here. Sorry. We had that here. uh, One of the local zoos, they work with law enforcement folks in Chicago and the authorities were following a person at O'Hare and the person ditched a package in a dumpster and they assumed that they were smuggling something that they shouldn't have been. And they were, but it was not the drugs that they were looking for. Uh, so the customs person opened the dumpster. There's a big old snake in there. They called my friend and he was like, well, that's pretty weird. Can you FaceTime me instead or These send me a picture? You're looking for. And the guy was like, yeah, man, no problem. So he FaceTimes him and <laughs> It was the biggest gaboon viper I've ever seen. And really? it ended up ended up going to their zoo. And it was a wonderful display. Just, you know, head like that. Just this monster. And um, it was beautiful. But the guy was like, yo, is that bad? And the, so my buddy's like, close the dumpster. Set a little cordon around it. And I'll be there in 10 minutes. Don't open the dumpster. <laughs> And the That's guy was great. like, is, is it going to be okay? Like, should we get it out? It's kind of cold. And he's like, don't open the dumpster. Just, yeah, I'll be there. And yeah, that's 100%. Like, that's their their Gaboon Viper came to them that way. One of their Cobras came to them that way. Uh, oh. They had a Gator come to them that way. Just silly stuff, man. People don't know. I would love to find know. the person that did that. I would love to find the person that did that. Well, it's like the gator that came on the, the train. There's a, a CTA train that runs from the city direct line into the airport. Um, there's CCTV footage of a person. There's They got like a little three-footer kind of like in their coat. And they just slide it on the floor and get off the train. That was how they got rid of their gator that was too big. And then the train wow. came to O'Hare. They were like, dude, you weren't at work today. I was like, yeah, I know. I saw it in the news. <laughs> wow. Oh, jeez. 
Imagine being the hobo trying to jump in that dumpster. Why is it real, man? It's loud in here. Oh, well, see you later, Phil. That was a yeah, it's it's wild, man. What people <laughs> what people will do and not even think twice about it, especially if it puts someone in in serious, you know, harm's way. Well, and it's it's literal ignorance. I mean, they, oh, they yeah. genuinely don't know. You know what I mean? That I guess that sort of makes it better. Like you didn't endanger people on purpose, but it's still not great. Uh, you I just suppose. think about how bad it would have been if someone had been hit by that gaboon. And how many oh, times, did, how many, like how many opportunities there were for that to actually happen, you know, from, from start. To oh finish. yeah. It's, it's. Well, even with that officer, like he just opened up the dumpster and leaned his head in there with his iPhone and was like, is this FaceTime good? Like, I mean, you know, he could have caught that right in the mouth and had no idea. Yeah, that's. Like everything else currently, just when you think things couldn't get any goofier, someone says, hold on a second. Yeah. I, got I mean, we're, else for you. we're still telling people to not feed stuff on the internet, man. Like it's. It's educational are... though, man. How are we supposed oh, to yeah. teach people? I did like that. Scott brought that up. Like, oh yeah, I brought three snakes to an elementary school and you're an educator. Like, that's cool. Thank you for ruining my business <laughs> because i dude i do so many shows where they're like oh yeah the last guy like it didn't look <laughs> didn't look really good and it had this skin and i i just hear all these crazy things i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. and it, well then you got to wonder like what information they're they're given like is it just like are they just there in like a self-serving sort of manner where they're just there right. to sort of reap the benefits of looking like the snake guy oh, or are they yeah. actually teaching people information that they should probably know no dude we we had like i've had big public events where mm -hmm. there, there'd be more than one of us or more than one company doing it and like you'll have the people that like try to scare them and stuff or like oh you know with a with a snake or a, a big monitor or something and just like just ridiculous things and then like you can see the adults who are at these events just looking around like i don't think this is okay but i don't know enough right. to tell this person to right. stop because i'm not totally educated myself and then you know teresa or i'll start doing stuff and, and like we've had people come up to us and be like okay this makes more sense now the other thing was wrong right <laughs> it's like yeah, that that was wrong. Don't do that. Yes, we don't throw berms on people. Yeah, I've I've straight up seen that at a world-renowned Chicago museum. Hundred percent. That person was not invited back. <laughs> but they got invited in the first place. I mean, it's a international institution. It's one of the museums and that person got on the list and that was their opener their yeah. opener was like remember the big yellow snake ah. <clears throat> catch that, yeah died dead serious like literally ah, like into the laps of <laughs> a bunch of kids hey kids screamed and checked on the floor <laughs> like a, you want a, a 13 foot berm yep here 
Yeah, and they did exactly what you think. They, you know, they were like seven. They screamed, went like this, and it just flopped on the floor. And he was like, "Ah, oh, it's cool. Don't worry. There, you know, he's big, strong snake. They can take it or whatever." Like, yeah, something that's yeah. not meant to be in the air and dropped, right? Or around children. Yeah. Freely. And hey, hey, man, I've done the kid birthday party thing hundreds and hundreds. I, I wish i had video of that and and it was it was always it was always staged appropriately with the right kind of animal and when we did the whole big giant albino burmese python thing you wouldn't make you wouldn't necessarily have the kids stand there and it, if they were standing there holding the snake it would be like over grass it wouldn't be like in the basketball court you know or yeah. like on concrete but if it wasn't grass or like a playground we would just have them sit, you know, crisscross on the floor mm -hmm. and just drape it across their laps. You know, you still get the same photo, you know? Yeah. Dude, <laughs> we do it all the time. That, that's actually a thing that um, some people have. I was approached a while ago to talk about that. Um, and it, it kind of faded because of all of the different lawsuit stuff that's going on and everything. But uh, there was a, a thought process at one time to write some sort of. I don't know. It, it's not like enforceable or anything, but like basically a standard of sure, sure. You know what is what is cool have, and not cool to do at these events. Yeah, but somehow have it come from a body like a U.S. Arc to say, "Hey, you know, these are the things that we are recommend, supportive of, or, or you know, sure stuff like that." And I originally was approached when that that idea was was brought up. Um, it it obviously got kind of kicked to the side a little bit because the lawsuit is a much more important thing at the moment. Um, or not lawsuit, but, you know, the yeah. uh, fight over the law. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it's... And it, the crazy thing is when, when the folks were talking to me about it, I thought it was an awesome idea. I was like, yeah, because the people that... Teresa and I would talk to about that subject, do the same stuff that we do, right? Yeah. They they might have a different like storytelling or or whatever, sure. but like safety wise and cleanliness, like we all yeah, do the, the same the stuff. Fun, the fun facts may be different, but the yeah. the way that you're going about it is very, very similar. For sure. Yeah. And it so that was that was a no-brainer. We were like, yeah, we'll help write a couple chapters of that or whatever. And uh Dude, there were definitely people that, well, I'm not going to have some people tell me how to do my... What do you mean you know, I got to teach them actual educational and, content? You know, that... But, I mean, look at the statistics for stuff like US Arc, you know, and with, you know, the ship your reptiles thing where people will keep unclicking the box and stuff like that. Like, I mean, maybe people just aren't That extra 36 it. cents is just asking entirely too much. Yeah. I just imagine Phil with a giant albino berm walking around a party with kids with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Hell yeah. <laughs> Going, hey, kid. You're Straight like, the, the clown. The, the best. <laughs> did I ever tell you guys about the one, the, the one of the, one of my, I've done so many. I've done, all right. Through my previous employments, different reptile places. I've done birthday parties. I've done bar mitzvahs. I've done weddings. Um, mm -hmm. But then I've also done like 
college lecture halls, you know, where the yeah. professor wants you to bring some stuff in because they're doing something, one thing or another. I've done high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, summer camps, you know, uh, summer youth league, that kind of stuff. But the one of the best ones that I can remember was a very, very large party in Miami for this little kid. A kid couldn't have been more than eight or 10 years old, right? And kid loves snakes. So brought a bunch of snakes, black milk, Honduran milk, uh, big cow king, told everyone, hey, he bites, be careful, you know. Um, of course, giant albino berm. Well, not giant, but at least 10 foot, you know. And the kids eat it up. And it wasn't so much a presentation or education. It was just like, hey, kids want to touch snakes, you know. Yeah. But when I got there, I rang the doorbell and a mom came out and the mom's like, hey, you got to go around the side and bring the animals around the side. Okay, cool. And the outside was all the kids and all the moms, but there was no dads. There was no men. And I, I was like, all right, whatever, you know, teach their own. So I showed the kids. The kids could care less. They want to do bounce house stuff. So a couple of kids play whatever. And then a guy comes out of the house and he's like, hey, um, but all the dads are on the other side of the house. Can you bring the snakes over there? Because the dads want to see the snakes. I said, of course, you're paying me. Why not? There must have been 15 or 20 guys. And I'm, I hope I didn't tell the story before because I feel stupid if I'm telling it differently in any way. But I don't think you have. Okay. So I go around the other side of the house and there's sure as heck there's 10 or 15 dads with a boom box playing music on the other side of the house. No kids. And one dad is like hanging out, leaning out of the window from the house. And they're like, oh, man, bring the snakes over, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, hey, that's the that's the birthday boy's dad. He's got to touch some stuff, too. Bring it over to the window. Dad was on house arrest. And dad couldn't leave his bedroom. Nice. So he's leaning out the window with his front half of his body. He's that kind out the of neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Touch petting all the snakes. And, like, I let him hold some stuff. But. Like he's like he's like yeah man you know I can't can't leave my bedroom so come on by <laughs> but I'll never forget that birthday party love it it was cool it was good was it almost like the bathroom scene in Training Day <clears throat> no not at all <laughs> why I don't know it seems like why would you go gone, there it could have gone that route I don't I don't know no dude <laughs> first I was outside the house I didn't go in there but <laughs> oh man no there's no poker playing or anything. Um, <laughs> I was trying to trying to think of a movie that to compare it to, but there, you couldn't. There was just no way. I just thought it was hilarious how all the dads were just huddled around this window, and it didn't occur to me. But yeah, he had an ankle monitor and everything, so they had fun. So my next uh, my next pitch for a reptile event fundraiser thing. Um, this is probably an appropriate show to make that pitch on that I've talked to people about. Um. So Teresa and I were board members for a rescue for a very long time. And our part is that, you know, we adopt the really big stuff or, or help things because we have a facility and, you know, stuff that people get confiscated or, or whatever. Um, and we would bring our collection to do the fundraisers. And so, you know, we go to like a Comic-Con or something and you take a picture with a tarantula if you're dressed like Spider-Man. And, you know, we would use our collection to help with that, help them raise money. It's awesome, especially Comic-Cons. It's it's a million kids. The, they really cater to the special needs community. It's, it's super cool and very 
wholesome, right? Good. Good. My idea is not that. <laughs> okay. So the other convention that glad you liked it, Phil, because that's not what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. The other convention that very frequently comes to Chicago is an adult convention. Oh, even better. <laughs> and my thought was that that particular crowd might also be into like take a selfie with a boa or do your Britney pose thing. Yeah. And you could raise money that way. And that sure. was not that was not very well received among oh, the board members on, of the charity. But I think it's a fantastic idea. And I think you would make a lot of money doing that. And you would have literally four hours to drape snakes on very wonderful looking people. Yeah. Well, I have they to... got really good pretzels at those events too. Soft pretzels. All I can they say do. is I, I can't do it in Florida because all that shit's banned for me. But someone else wants to jump on that idea. Godspeed. Yeah, it's uh, and it, it's funny because a lot of that, like reptiles are, are are supposed to be the alternative culture thing, sure, you know. Sure. And so you see tons of that stuff on Instagram, and it's a lot of West Coast stuff, and it's it's a big thing. And for a while, there were some folks that were very specifically just doing that with those type of entertainers, sure. And I. Like, actually, from a legitimate positive viewpoint, like, my my worry was... Because I never knew who the person was providing the stuff. Yeah. Like, what if he's just some idiot? Like, yeah. the, those people, especially now, like, their social media influence is gigantic. And if you're some goober and you're showing up because you happen to have cool retic morphs, like... You know, like, and you're the person that scarred up Jenna Jameson's face or something because you're, you don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, you, I didn't know, like, what the professionalism level was on our end of it for that. Because it, you know, it's the internet. You don't, I have no idea who that yeah. is. But yeah. um, quite a few of those people came to several of those conventions in the Chicago area. And I, I pitched that idea, but it was not uh, received in the positive light. I thought it would. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. You know, I tried. Your heart was in the right spot, buddy. Yeah. What? Well, you know, I, I'm a professional. I, it you wasn't, are. you know, it was not, was that self-serving? It was a selfless thing. He's yeah. just bummed that he didn't get to be the guy. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. That's I mean, yes. That's I mean, that's, yeah. there's no no denying that. What what really upset me was I uh, went to one of those as a patron, and just like walking around, I was like, "Hey, do you think this would be cool?" And a bunch of those people were like, "Yes, you should totally do it." I was like, "Man, I knew it. I knew you so guys would be into do it, it anyway. Do it anyway." Look, the, the 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 organization doesn't need to know where the donations came from or what what caused the. No, nah, man, I'm gonna get my own booth and just do it like yeah. a photo booth and make my own money. There you go, like, rock and if, roll. If, if you're gonna turn your nose up at where the donation comes from, the bill yes. fund could use a donation too, man. Hundred percent. Take a picture with a berm and buy a Bible. That's right. It's the the Argus Relief Fund. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, gentlemen, 
we're at the two hour mark. We are. It was a terrible so, show ending. I apologize. It, it was a good show ending. <laughs> it was a good, good show ending. This uh, was episode 110 of Snakes and Stogies, which is brought to you by Puget Town Pythons. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram and blackboxcages.com. You need a rack, you need a cage. They're the people you need to be talking to. Um, new episode of Reptile News Radio, I believe, should be dropping soon on the Puget Sound Pythons YouTube channel. Yep. Thank you, Jessica Ward. She said, first time listening. This was great. Oh, nice. Glad you enjoyed it. Wow, this she's a good. lizard brain radio convert. I, I dragged her over. Oh, oh nice, oh. nice. The plan is working, guys. Yes, yes. Um, THP 153 is happening Thursday. I believe we have Kai Fan coming back on for some monitor stuff. Sweet. Oh, there we go. Jeff and said tomorrow was new Reptile News Radio. So nice, excellent. Um, we have a Patreon if you feel like contributing, check it out. Uh, it's just the Herpeticulture Network. If not, no big deal. We're just happy you're here. Yeah. The next episode of Fem Exchange Radio will be airing on Sunday. Uh, it was supposed to come out this past Sunday, so yesterday, but things got a little hectic, and uh, this coming Sunday will be episode three. So Venom Exchange Radio, what's check it this out. One? Is there a hint as to what's being discussed? Spe- you know what? Specific? I will say it flat out on this show, just as a teaser to, uh, not even a teaser, as a, a, uh, a perk of the people who listen to this show, we are interviewing the one and only Mr. Johan Marer of the oh, nice. African Snakebite Institute. Oh, wow. Dude. Yeah. Kai's cheating. <laughs> Alan, you can come on too, buddy, if you want, if you're free. So, yeah, that'll be Sunday, and uh, hopefully everyone likes it. Yo, yeah, hey, you, if you guys are taking Kai, you can't also take Alan. There is a lizard part of this whole thing, man. Like, <laughs> that is true. That is very true. I've been, I've been talking about his enclosures forever and just actually never talked to him, which makes no sense at all. But <laughs> Oh, man. Speaking of the lizard uh, part of this whole contraption, uh, my next episode will be the 6th. And that is going to be Jonathan from iPardalis. Um, so if people that don't know much on the chameleon front, um, he is one of the people who is a big proponent of raising babies individually, which is showing to have a lot of major differences from how folks raise them in groups. And he is also uh, one of the people who is working on the genetic study for the different localities of panther chameleon and how to oh, differentiate wow. those. Um, oh he, yeah, I remember reading about that, dude. He has awesome. bunches of stuff uh, on his website about it. it. It's really cool. They're still trying to get some of the localities that have. It's kind of turning into tarantulas a little bit, where we get a lot of localities in the hobby, but we don't totally know enough yet. Yeah. Um, and so he he's really working into that. So that's gonna be really cool. And then the following episode, um, I am talking to uh, Richie from the Gecko King. So he was supposed to be on earlier, had a COVID thing, had to, you know, had a trip, all sorts of nonsense, like everybody else in the world who's traveling, just like I was for a little bit there. And uh, so we are going to try and reconnect with him at the end of the month. Nice. Awesome. I like it. Good stuff, boys. 
Uh, and I know at some point, so I think I said this last week, but I'm in the process of getting a Corn Stars and Conjure cast episode lined up. Um, discussions have been had about doing them. We just got to figure out a schedule to, to do them and make them happen. So it's going to happen. Cool. It's gonna win. Excellent. Excellent. Soon. Soonish. Yes. Everyone have a good evening. Bye. Later.